Insert your witty introduction here. It's Podcast 17. We are coming at you in a nice, crisp October weather, and we are hoping to bring you guys some good Frank Black music and hopefully some insight and discussion into the world of Frank Black's music, as we do every two weeks. So, Dean, why don't we cut the crap and get right to it? Well, I don't know what you're implying here, but that is a good idea. First, we're going to bring back a feature we kind of had let slip by the wayside a little bit. I'm sorry about that. You know, we got it all caught up in our themes. We're going to bring back the black to back, and we're going to do it in the same style that we did Jane, the Queen of Love. We have I'll Run After You this time. We're going to trace its development from demo right through to the full band production. So let's, as Brian says, cut to the chase, and I will run after you. It's all a repeat anyway. It's all a repeat anyway.
that was the Pixies with Bird Dream of Olympus Mons from Trump Lamond, the final as of yet Pixies studio album. Uh, later on in this podcast, we're going to be talking again with Mr. Eric Feldman, who was featured on keyboards in that past song and is also featured on keyboards in this upcoming song. So uh, we're going to hear now a song from the first Frank Black album. However, it was recorded January 16th, 2001. Uh, where was this recorded, Dean? I believe it was at the Barfly, wasn't it? Uh, no, the Barfly is the next show we did. This is the Bug Jar. Barfly, Bug Jar. I mean, there's insects everywhere. Bug Jar was in. Is that's the one in Rochester? Then I believe Rochester, it is Rochester, New, New, New York. York. Okay, so at least I got that right. So yes, uh, from January sixteenth, two thousand and one. Every time I go around here. <laughs> It's clear. 
Steel added to that song, you know, it, it's the same song, it's not that it's a wildly different version, but it just gives it a bit of character. Now, next up we have our interview with Eric Dufeldman, and as you may remember from the last time we had him on, we had a contest for a chance to win a copy of Knife and Fork's debut, Misery Chord. Now, we're not going to give it away quite yet, that'll be after the interview, but we were talking a little bit about that album with Eric, and I'm just going to jump right into Brian having a little bit of a chat. I remember when I had first talked to you, I said that what really impressed me was the first listen through, I, I believe I was I was either jogging or I was on the train. I, I wasn't giving it a proper first listen anyway, but I, I couldn't hear any – when I listened to it, I said, this doesn't sound like there's a lot of keyboards on this record. And then the more I listened, the, you peel back the layers, and of course there are, there are keys there, but none of the sounds are conventional. And I just I love the fact that it really – it just sounded so different, so refreshingly different. And at that point, I guess I've been listening to a lot of just – guitar music and it was it was so refreshing to hear this keyboard based music that really didn't sound like the typical keyboard based music it was just it was it was a refreshing listen for me well thanks i mean you know not that it's exactly my complete goal but in some sense that's some of what i do some of the time and i to some degree i felt like that's what i was i did with on some of charles on the first couple of records and I think I've even honed it a lot more since then, and I'm hoping to do some of that with this uh, alleged record that we're going to make soon. Kind of make it less sort of direct. I, you know, I kind of like m- making his thing because it's sort of what I like, a, a little more ephemeral and abstract, which sometimes for good reasons, because I couldn't go too far and he resists. He's just like, play organ, play piano. That's what he's comfortable with. Well, it's uh, it's a good balance because I think, especially now, I'm very interested to see how that will will go because he has, as you are probably quite aware, gone more into the direct. You know, with the Nashville thing, it's it's pretty straight up yeah. compared to what you guys did back in the teenager and you know, quite sure. black days. And it's effective for some of it. The, the one thing that's always really powerful with him, a man knows how to write a song and knows how to sing a song. There's always that to work with, and sometimes that's all it needs. When it comes to, to planning a record, where do you start with with a record like this? Is it to start with demos and then, like you said, just you peppering it with your own ideas and then sort of a back and forth, or is there a more concrete process that goes through? No, I think it's it's pretty much like that. The difference now is because I'm more comfortable with that after working on a lot more records since we did those records. Is I'm listening to these songs and trying to hear you know, various different ensembles, you know, that I think, oh, and this song or these songs, I'd like to hear a, a group, an ensemble that consists of a certain sound or this combination of instruments, and then perhaps utilizing people I know or people I don't know to find those, you know, like at first I might mock it up with some fake things that have those sounds, but, you know, like, the gee, it might be good on this song to have a a French horn and a cello and a bassoon with Charles and nothing else and try to go about it that way. Because a lot of times I just think that's what I'd like to hear. Interested in trying to hear things that I just don't always hear all the time. Charles just finished a solo tour which stopped in, uh, stopped in Brooklyn and he played a couple of songs mm-hmm. that 
I believe are intended for this upcoming record, and uh, I think they're really great. Have you been working with uh, the material, something like Dead Man's Curve? Yeah, that's one of them. And, uh, and something about rabbits, the rabbit you... song, or rabbit hole? Rabbit hole. How many demos do you have? Like, how many did he send you? We've got about seven. Yeah. So kind of the beginnings of a, not, not yeah, a that's, full that's, record that's, yet. That's a good, that's a half a record right there if we did them all. Well, it depends. I mean, you know, if he does another one of his 25-song records, then it's not. But uh, <laughs> I think, you know, he he said... He would like to do like you know, let's do ten songs or twelve songs or something like that. Yeah, I think he's probably got the big record out of his system with uh, Fast Man Raider Man here. But so you have, I'm sorry to, I was interrupting Brian's line of questioning there. Uh, Dead Man's Curve, the Rabbit Hole. Do you have a song called The Water or something like that? Yeah. Uh, do you have any other tentative names? Then yeah, I can't I can't think of the names of any of the other ones, but there are four more. Do you find that there's some sort of stylistic grouping to them so far, or are they are they too raw to even start talking about sort of a theme? Um, only that they they all seem he seems to be in a a mode which always tickles me to death. I don't think that people normally think of me that way, but I think he's like you know kind of done this somewhat the Nashville records with the certain session people, and you know like they play different kinds of music, but it it tends to be kind of paced or controlled it's like oh yeah you want us to play rock we can play rock but i think he wants something that's a little bit more he's looking at something that in a certain sense is a little, a little harder and i don't just mean like hard rock electric but a little more derailed maybe mm-hmm. you know like going around the corner too fast and a couple of wheels are off the road that kind of thing that's what I'm hoping to to be able to bring to it. I want to keep the songs as the focus, but I, I, I kind of want them to, to sonically and viscerally kind of punch in the gut a little harder. Do you have a favorite Frank Black record? Is that something you... I mean, you're probably biased, I guess. Maybe that's not even a fair question to ask. <laughs> no, you know, I mean, I, I, I don't really... Let's say You know, so. I don't really think about, like... I, obviously, I like first two, but I never listen to them. It's just, it's just sort of... There was too much uh, pain and suffering involved. <laughs> and but I but you know the, the the other one that I worked on the most extensively since then was was called Dog in the Sand. Another favorite. And uh, and I and I I sort of really liked I, I liked the songs in that one and I kind of considering it was one of the live ones I, I think it came out really kind of amazing. So like the yeah, one that, uh, that's my favorite Frank Black record personally. Oh, that one is. Yeah, yeah. I you know, there's that one guys... about the about the the, the dam disaster. Yes, that, yes. that is, I yeah. think, Brian's favorite song too, isn't it, Brian? Yes, it, it is my favorite song. And it's up there for. I think I always wanted him to play it live, and he always laughed because it's. Just, he said I could, he could never remember the words. <laughs> he he told me the same thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> How many but, players uh, did you have on that one? That one, because you had there's band. And not too many. It was it was the Catholics plus, plus me and plus Dave Phillips, who wasn't in the band just yet. But he was—that's sort of what got him in. But he was sort of just auxiliary then, and you know, and Joe Santiago showed up for some of them, and Morris Tepper was on some. Mm-hmm. So, and then, and, and you know, Nick Vincent, who was producing, which was sitting in the uh, control room basically and trying to make sure everything got heard while it was going down, would occasionally, you know, run out and you know play a tambourine or something like that. <laughs> so you know, some songs would have up to eight or nine people. Okay, Probably. but it also was, you know, it was done in a fairly good studio. So it, 
it uh, sounded a little better than some of the other ones did. Because I also worked on the on the one that well I don't necessarily well, I don't care I'm not going to say anything that I wouldn't stand by but I I had a really rough time working on Black Letter Days and I thought there were some really good songs on it but somehow it was just it was really work and it was really hard to hear and it was really somehow I thought a lot of things on it I thought there were some really amazing songs on that too but it was all compromised by people just struggling to to make it work. As a result of the recording location, or Tommy Lee playing too loud? Yeah, just the the, <laughs> the, the, the studio and the uh, yeah, the, you know, the technical uh, limitations of of really because it was a set up in a loft that you know it set up. There was really no you know bare bones headphone monitoring and everything, and it was just a lot of guesswork in it. And then I'd hear a take, and I'd know we played it well, and it would go down, but I would just think, oh, it just sonically didn't punch very well you know like there's a song on there that's it's called California Bound that I just think it's, I mean it's a good song it, and it, it came out okay but it just it could be one of the best songs by him you ever heard but I don't think anybody would ever say that about it it's not one of my favorites personally but we had a, a recent didn't we Brian and the best of, yeah we, we did we a poll a, yeah a big poll on you know your favorite Frank Black songs and uh, it was in the top ten, actually. But I think it was in the top five, actually. It quite what California Bound? Yeah. Or... Yes. And Saint Francis oh, Dam was as well, and uh, I, I think it came out okay. I don't know if you listened to the finished product. May, it, maybe it could have been better. Probably it could have. Um, I'm not enough. No, I mean it's it's it, 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 it's okay. I, I, I just think it could have, but you know, like you just kind of hear some of these songs and they're going down, and you're like, oh, this is just going to be. The best album anybody's ever heard, and then when you hear the recording, when it's done, you're yeah, I, you're I, just a little bit like, oh, that's too bad, because that that'll never, you know, I'll never be able to like sit and have my eyes roll back and and you know get lost in it because it just doesn't quite. It just didn't as a recording, it doesn't do that to me. It's the, you know, yeah, I know, can and, uh, appreciate that. That's all. That's all. You know, there's like good songs and there's good recordings. Well, I'm afraid that does it for our interview with Eric Drew Feldman. Hopefully, we'll have him back sometime in the future. A little while back, to, uh, I guess a month back, we asked you guys what Frank Black song featured another member of the Feldman family. And, in the lyrics. In the lyrics, exactly, yes. And we put that question to you. At stake was a copy of Knife and Fork's debut album, Misery Chord. So, Brian, why don't you tell us what song it was that featured another... Feldman in the lyrics. That was Space, I Believe In, also from Trump Lamont. Yes, and so we will be sending a copy of that out to who, Brian? <laughs> See, he's tired, so I have to prod him with a stick to get him to participate in the podcast. No, it's just that I had all this information in front of me last night when we were supposed to record the podcast, but we got talking about other topics and completely lost all this information and now I have to go back in through my Gmail account and find this information so uh, why don't you all amuse yourselves by thinking of perhaps a great childhood birthday party you were at John Gill is the name John Gill congratulations we'll be sending you out that copy of Misery Chord as soon as we can coming up next actually we're going to play you a song from Misery Chord Eric Drew Feldman kind enough to let us play you guys some songs from his from his collection uh, this one is called Winter is that correct Brian? That is correct, Dean. Excellent. And then, Space I Believe In, starring our very own 
Jeffrey Feldman as the main character. And I think, did he do any percussion on there? I believe he did, yes. Yes, so I'll do a little bit of percussion too. Here is Winter by Eric.
Coming up now, we have part two of our Frank Black to back to back this week. This version of I Will Run After You is from the internet freebie exclusive blah, blah, blah. Sunday, Sunday, Mill Valley Groove Day. This was produced by the aforementioned Mr. Eric Drew Feldman and features a more prominent organ than on the final version, which appeared on Black Letter Days. Mm-hmm. So here we go with I Will Run After You. Said that it was through Cause a new man Or an old friend Or a guru Cause he got a bit tired of me now That I could believe Yeah, but if you do If you leave If you leave If you leave if you leave, wouldn't even cry, wouldn't even try, wouldn't even scream, wouldn't look for another love, no, listen if you leave, tell you what I do.
it's time for another feature we've long neglected. When was the last time we did one of these, Brian? At least three or four podcasts ago, if not more. Yeah, it's been a while. So we're going to play you another song from a FrankBlack.net forum member. This time we've found some good tracks from uh, someone named Hatchetman on the forum. If you go check out the salon, you'll find a link to his site. Or I believe you can get there by going myspace.com backslash forward slash. I always get confused. Let's just say slash. Okay. And if you want to picture that as the former guitar player of Guns N' Roses, that's your prerogative. All right. <laughs> MySpace.com and then a little icon of slash and then uh, Hatchet Stigmata. That's Hatchet, H-A-T-C-H-E-T-S-T-I-G-M-A-T-A. Stigmata. Check that out. We're going to be playing you. It was a tough choice again. Um... Brian and I were kind of at odds about which one to pick. He liked one better than the other, and I liked another one. And we liked them both, obviously, but um, we... But I won. He did win, yeah. We had an arm wrestle, and, um, you know, his internet connection was bigger than mine, so... (laughs) That's uh, what she said. Anyway, Hatchet Man, and this is the Hatchet Men. They're going to be playing a song called Admiral's Walk. I hope you like it. Go check out their site after, if you do. Uh, and there's some other stuff on there. They have a song that sounds a lot like the Pixies, um, or a lot like they're influenced by the Pixies, I should say. Uh, they don't sound, you'd never mistake them, but the influence is definitely there. And uh, I believe the uh, the young man's real name is Adrian Scott. They are from Wales. So here we go, Admiral's Walk.
was In the Time of My Ruin from Fast Man, Raider Man, the most recent Frank Black album. And that features Mr. Dwayne Jarvis on guitar, who is currently touring along with Eric G. Feldman and Billy Block mm-hmm. as Frank Black's backing band for this North American tour. So if you've gotten out to the shows, if you're going out to the shows, make sure to say hi to Dwayne and compliment him on his quite nice guitar playing on tracks like In the Time of My Ruin. And of Coming course, up if now, you're at the shows, if, you're, if you happen to be at the New York show, make sure you say hi to Brian as well. Or if you're at the Saskatoon show or Regina show, to Brian and myself, we'll see you there. I'm very excited about both of those. Coming up really quickly, hey? Yeah, yeah. It's coming up really quick. Actually, the the first New York show, I believe, is next Friday, a week from tomorrow. Oh, wow. A week from tomorrow when I'm recording this, when you're listening to it, it's that next coming week, which is incredibly fast and exciting. And... Uh, you know, it's it's really it's a treat because as I had bragged to Dean before, just <laughs> a few weeks ago I had seen him in Brooklyn. It feels like, and uh, you know, this is all big, big, exciting stuff. So this should be a fun couple of weeks for Frank Black fans, and especially for me. <laughs> well, we'll be looking forward to your reviews and you know, stewing in our own jealousy as well. Yes, of course. Anyway, this track coming up is from November sixteenth, two thousand, at the Barfly in Camden in the United Kingdom. And this is a very chatty Frank Black show. If you listen to it, he explains a lot of his songs and sort of talks a little bit more than uh, we are accustomed to in the live setting. And this is a track from the self-titled Frank Black and the Catholics album. And uh, I'm not going to say anything more about it. So, Frank, take it away. Anybody like that Eraserhead movie? Yeah, all right. It's a university favorite. Oh, I liked it a lot. Uh, anyway, this song is about two different guys in the movie. Both uh, uh, one guy wrote the music to the theme song, uh, who was murdered uh, many years ago, and um, the other guy, Jack Nance, the played the starring starring role. Uh, he was murdered a couple years ago in uh, L.A. And uh, anyway, so this song has kind of just been inspired by the that film and sort of the, these two people that are connected to it that got killed and I don't know just a bunch of thoughts that I had and this is called I Gotta Move I gotta move I had a taste I gotta move I gotta get me off the face Yeah, like Peter Radiator I heard that he got bashed Yeah, he got sainted You know it wasn't for the cash No, I gotta move Gotta move I had a, t- I had a taste I gotta move Gotta move I gotta get me off the face told me in heaven that if everything is fine Well, that would make a good movie, huh? That would make a good record, huh? I gotta move, gotta move I gotta break, gotta break I gotta move, gotta move I gotta get him across the league And then he stopped to say before he went down This is the worst place In the sun I gotta 
gotta move, gotta move. I had a, I had a taste. I gotta move, gotta move. I gotta get me off the face. There was a jack who quaffed it. He came from my hometown. He was a prophet, prophet. Some kids they put him in the ground. Yeah. Got coffee, got donuts, got wasted, or raised head. And what do they say? Was not afraid of the present tense. And talking back is a bad offense. Yeah. I gotta move. Yeah, I gotta move. I gotta move. Hoover, I gotta move. Hoover, Hoover. I gotta move. Gotta move. And then he stopped to sing before he went down. This is the worst place in the sun. a cool version of I Gotta Move and we have one song left before you can move and you know do something else besides sit here and listen to Brian well, and myself technically Dean technically a podcast can be taken on the go so people could be exercising listening to us they could be literally running while listening to us so that is true but I envision there. our listeners so enwrapped that they are literally unable to function in any other capacity aside from paralyzed with awe Paralyzed with awe, as often happens, you know. It's I've seen people do it on the road when I'm driving. You know, they just watch me drive and slam on the brakes, and you know, it, it's dangerous actually sometimes. So what you're saying is that there's a good possibility that the entire city of Saskatoon will be shut down when you and I are inhabiting it together. Well, certainly, the, you know, three block radius of the Odeon. Uh, okay. it, it is it is a risk. I have taken steps to you know alleviate that, but. Anything could happen. Anything could happen. Understood. So anyway, uh, I'm not sure how we got on that topic, but um, we have our final version of I Will Run After You, the album version from Black Letter Days that was you know, finally released many years after the demo and not so many years after Sunday, Sunday Mill Valley Groove Day. And yeah, it, that's our last track for the day. We hope you enjoyed Podcast 17. And Brian, and I'm going to see you in two weeks. For podcast number 18. With Frank Black for the last time. Or is it? If you went away, caught it all a day. Said that it was through Cause a new man 
or an old friend or a guru Cause he got a bit tired of me now that I could believe Yeah, but if you do If you lean If you lean If you lean If you lean Wouldn't look for another love, no, listen to me. 